Tyler Dammerman. Come on up here. I wanted him to get a DNA test to make sure he was mine. Hey, hold on. Don't say anything yet. This is if you're a Dammerman, you will talk. Okay. I'm not making a joke of it. It just helps me get by. Jesus told us, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father. And the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Acts 2.38 says the command that applies to every individual, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Baptism must follow genuine repentance and faith in Jesus. Therefore, we must undergo water baptism because it is a command and not an option. Water baptism is an outward and visual representation of the inward new birth that happened at the time of conversion. It is a physical expression of an inner spiritual reality. Romans 6, 3-5, we are told these truths. Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him and through baptism into death in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For if we have been united with him in death like this, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection. These inner spiritual realities that occur at the time of conversion are best illustrated outwardly through the water baptism. So, Tyler, do you have a clear witness from God that you are his child through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? 100%. Tyler, is it your earnest desire to follow Christ in death to self and to walk with him in newness of life, of which life, this ordinance, is the symbol? Tyler, do you have a testimony to share? So, as you guys know, um, I'm Larry Casillas, I, uh, and I, I don't have life figured out. Um, it doesn't. It doesn't look when you look at me. You don't think of it as a physical. Um, but I'm. I'm a runner. I've always. I've always ran. Um, Growing up, I, uh, you know, I grew up in a, in a, in a split household, um, you know, and I kind of became, through that, I became kind of a weekend warrior, so I would go, I would come visit my dad and mom, and Luke and Melissa, 
on the weekends at Orfino, and we'd go to church and 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 Sunday school and Bible studies, and I'd be all fired up, and then I'd go home um, to my mom and stepdad's house where that was never kind of supported, that was never really received, um, that was never encouraged, and so I kind of became gotten this trap of, for lack of a better word, kind of a weekend warrior, and um, through that, that really that really stuck with me kind of growing up and, and thinking that it was okay just to, you know, do kind of the bare necessities and you repent for your sins and you, you have that conversation with God on the weekends and then kind of during the week you just do, do whatever you want. And um, that really that really kind of grew into um, like my middle school and high school. And my, my walk with God, it's funny that Carnival's coming up because I've been trying to figure out how I'm going to compare and help kind of give you guys a picture of, of what Tyler's walk with God looks like and the best thing I could come up with and if you know you know but at the carnival there's a ride called the Gravitron and it's terrible um, so so what what this Gravitron is you you get in and it's like a big UFO looking looking thing lay back against the, the edge of it and everybody's lined up. You're with all your friends. Everything's fun. Everything's awesome. And it starts going. And the the gravity and the, the, the way that it's going, it pins you up against your seat. And so you can hate this ride over and over and you're always going to get on it because your friends want you to get on it. Everybody wants you to ride. It's fun. You know that you're going to hate it. You're going to puke after, but you still get on it. And during this ride... You're, you're terrified. You're pinned up against the back of this. You're laying down. You think it's funny. Your friends think it's funny. You're trying to get up. You can't stand up. The gravity of everything is, is holding you. And what you don't realize is you get so wrapped up in the impression of others. You get so wrapped up in um, wanting to be cool like everybody else that you don't realize all you would have to do is tell him to stop and he's going to stop the ride. As terrible as it gets, you write it out. So, with that, I always got into a place where I was outside of the ride in my walk. I was doing great. I was doing awesome. We were doing Bible studies. We were really opening. I can't believe it. Right. We were opening um, just my heart and everything. And you're outside and you're safe. And then you get back to your friends and you get back to these people in your life that pull you back onto that ride and you end up getting sucked in and you're you're pinned up against this life of of disobedience and sin and ugliness and you can't you can't move you can't but yet all you have to realize and all I had to realize that I didn't was all you have to do is say stop stops. All you have to do is ask him to stop the ride. And you don't. You ride it through. You think you know what's best. You think you know, you know, I'll get through it. I'll get through it. I'll just ride it through and then I won't ride it again. And you get off and I'm never doing that again. Things go back to grade. You're back in your Bible study. You're back in all this stuff. But you keep going back. And at some point you have to just cut the cord to the carnival. And uh, I've been... I've been very um, 
very wishy-washy with my walk. And it's never, I've always grown up with knowing about baptism and always grown up knowing about my walk and always grown up knowing what's right. And I was never strong. I, I, I'm, I, I was weak. I was never strong enough to stand up against it. And up until it, it all kind of just took a big shift. Um, it was six months ago, and um, I knew something. I knew something was different because we came to church, and I I had asked my mom and dad to pray over my son Raxton. Um, and I knew I knew at that moment I knew that it wasn't just me anymore um, I knew that I had to as a man I knew I had to really step up and create that life for him that, that my dad tried so hard to create for me. And, uh, so we started, we, we had prayed over him and we gave him to God and we started doing um, the Sexual Integrity 101, kind of really digging into roots of things and why I run and why my reaction to things are the way that they are. And there's just been there's been such a tug and there's been such such a, a yearning and it got to a point um, four or five months ago where some things happened and I was just at rock bottom. I, I, there was a lot of stuff personally going on. I just started working for my brother again uh, there was just life was a lot and for the first time in my life I got down and I just surrendered like, God I can't I can't do this anymore I can't pretend to know what I'm doing I can't pretend to know what's what the right thing for myself is because I have no idea and um, so we we're, we're walking through that and and since that moment of just complete and utter weakness and openness and just submission and surrender, which, you know, damn it, like, we don't surrender, we don't stop. And to just be in a place where I just gave it up, um, you know, and, and since then, God's put people in my life and God's put pillars in my life that I've never not, I can't say I've never had before, but I've never seen or been able to recognize before. And um, so coming into this baptism this weekend, um, I, you know, I had all the, all the, when the enemy sees, um, the enemy sees that there's value, they're going to attack. You know, nobody's, somebody's not going to go rob a bank with no money in it. Um, and being able to be at a point in my life where I can recognize that and I can see, yeah, the last eight months haven't been easy and there's been stuff coming up and there's been all this stuff that's happened, but being able to recognize that that's the enemy obviously stopping something of value and 
being at a point where I don't fall back into those things because I can recognize that I'm strong enough for it. Um, you know, we, the last couple of days have been hard. There's been a lot of, a lot of attacks. There's been a lot of things that have come up and, um, we were, we were coming back from Morfino yesterday and Lewis did everything back from Lewis yesterday. And, um, you know, the last couple of days I've just been really, I, I've let the enemy kind of creep in and, and I've had the thoughts of insecurity and, and stuff like, is this really, is this really what I want to do? Is this, am I ready for this? Am I, is this going to be real? Am I, you know, why am I really doing this, this and that? And so the enemy started doubting and on the drive up here, I'm, I'm thinking about this and going over it. I'm, I'm driving to Orfino, the place where I'm going to get baptized, the place where everything gets wiped clean, and I'm doubting it, and we're driving it, and, and Olivia put on a song, and it was a whole song, and, and it's the part of the song, you know, every everything's great, we had a great morning, we took kids to go shopping, and everything was awesome, there was no reason for it, and we're just driving, and she's playing that song, and it's the part of the song on Oceans where she's really gentle and still, and she's singing about uh, the Spirit leading me where my trust is without borders and that part of the song. And we're a couple miles out of Orfino, and something just something just hit hard. It's like hitting a brick wall at 70 miles an hour. Um, so the song's playing, and we're driving, and I get smacked in the face, and I'm just a mess. I'm bawling, and Olivia's looking over, going. What, you know, what's wrong, what's going on, trying to figure it out, and, and I couldn't, I couldn't explain it, I couldn't put words to it, except I just kept saying God, God, and this is going all through Orfino, um, we go, we go to turn into the, to the shop off Highway 12, or the office, and at that point, you know, she's kind of trying to figure out what's going on, um, my daughter Cadence is waking up in the back seat, she slept the whole time, and She's kind of starting to mumble, and I go to turn into the office, and I had my blinker on, and I was stopped, and I turned back out on the highway, and I go, we can't stop, we have to keep driving. So we keep driving, and in between the, where the office is and the bridge to pull into Orfino, um, Cadence wakes up, and I'm bawling, I'm a mess, the music's loud, and Cadence wakes up and kind of mumbles like that half asleep, and she goes, we're safe, we made it safe, and hearing that, Olivia kind of just sat back and it was, she was just blown away. So we're driving and we're getting to the bridge and I'm trying to figure out what the heck is going on. And we get to the bridge and I look in my rearview mirror and I don't know where there's this guy on a, on a Harley or something, big padded vest. This dude looks mean and... It's where the lanes merge, and my first thought is, I I need to let this guy pass. I'm in no look to fight or anything if I make this motorcyclist mad. I cannot get out of the trunk like this. I'm going to slow down and let him go. So the bowling's still going. Everybody's a mess. We let this motorcyclist pass, and he gets in front of us, and he just opens his arms, riding his motorcycle. And it was, it was for a while, and he's just riding with his arms spread out, 
and he's going into turns with his arms out and everything, and we're just driving, and the first thing that came to mind was freedom. Um, and as this all happened, um, when it very first happened, I just felt, I felt such a, a, a weighted blanket be taken off, but then a ton of bricks put on me, and it was from a place of all that weight that came off was the, was the insecurity, was the worry, was the, you know, is this my time? Am I ready for this? Is this something I'm willing to do? Um, it was just gone. It was all gone. And just this weight of love and I'm here and it's okay. Combined with Cadence talking about us being saved and this guy in front of us representing freedom, it was just, it was God. And that was, that was every bit of confirmation. That was every bit of, of anything I could ever need. And so, you know, going into this, I'm just like I said, I've been I've been wishy-washy. I've been on fire, and then I get put out, and I've never. I, I truly believe that this is the time because in almost 32 years. With everything that's gone on, I've never felt this whole, I've never felt this desire. I've never been this submissive to God. And, uh, it's just, it's, there's a words for it. When you, when you know, you know. And you, you look back and on your life, and we were talking about this last night, and it's just, you think like, oh man, if I would have done this 20 years ago, where would I be? Um, but I'll I'll share with you guys. Um, so I was I was prophesied over when I was really young, and um, it was by a guy named Harold Everly. You really didn't recall the time, and it was kind of funny how it worked out. So we're church is over, and he's he's doing this thing, and basically it was kind of like a free for all that come up, and I'll pray for you, and you know if I have a word, this and that. And so of course I went up there, and um, he was kind of not turning people away, but he was praying for him, and then he didn't really have a word for him, so they left, and I went up there, and I remember he just put his hand on my shoulder and started calling this little five-foot-something, bald-headed Irishman that looks tough as heck, just starts using it, and um, the, some of the stuff that he had said um, that he talks about over my life was that it was, um, I was going through a lot of family stuff said, you know, you will be okay in your life, and you will be okay in your family. Um, you have questioned and wanted to do things to others, and not know how, but I have plans for you, and I will show you how. Um, obviously, like, you have a tender heart. I gave you that tender heart. Um, when you get older, you will teach people that he, he that said really loud, those younger, about God. Um, Even though you have questioned things and picked things aside for a while, I will still use you. And I, I really believe in my heart and that this, this is my time. So the, uh, the 
baptism will be just real shortly uh, after the service at Pink House Hold. And uh, I don't know what to say. Everybody just, just reach your hands out while I pray for time. God, at times you just leave me almost speechless, Lord. Your grace is so powerful and your mercy is so abundant. Your loving kindness, Lord, reaches out to the lowest, which is us, and snatches us up since you're mine. No matter how hard you fight, I'm going to keep you. We worship Him and we worship His Son. We depend on the Holy Spirit to guide us daily, even by the moment sometimes, just to guide us through the things that we're going to go through. Father, I just, I have a high expectancy that this man will come out of that water so new that nobody will recognize him. People will be asking him, what happened to you? And you'll just tell him. Father, we thank you for Tyler's commitment today. For his testimony, which was short because I know there's much more in there and he will he will be testifying about his life for the rest of his life. Piece by piece it will come up. And somebody will need to hear it. We bless you this morning, God. We bless you for the many blessings that we have received and we are walking in right now this morning. In Jesus' name. And we're just so blessed to have you both back here. Thank you for the yes in your heart to help shepherd us as we're in betwixt and between and um, being my dear friends. Thank you for being here this morning. They've, they've journeyed with our family when our littles were little, and they know the they know the story, and it's just beautiful. Father, we just want to thank you this morning. I just ask a blessing, Father, upon the word as you as you give it to us this morning, Lord, would it go down deep? Father, would we have ears to hear what it is that you are saying to us individually, Father, and our hearts open to receive it. And we love you in Jesus' name.
Good to be back with you this morning. We talked before about Christ living in you. Everyone who was born again 
Christ comes to dwell within you. He is now living his life through you. You belong to him. You are his possession. Today, we're going to talk about the love of God. Um, the name of this message is Love and Lies. We're going to talk about the love of God and how it deals with the things that we believe that do not line up with the truth that we so desperately want to believe. In other words, the lies that we believe sometimes, unknowingly or won't admit to. None of us walk around trying to be living in that state. It's just kind of like Tyler was saying, we, we, we have things that we go through and we make those choices and we see that carnival ride, whatever it is in our life. And um, the love of God is so much more powerful than that. But there is a process. And if we don't see things the way that God sees them, we can actually get stuck and convince ourselves that we're fine. And then we get into that trap and we find ourselves laying on the ground, not knowing why it is that we feel like we're completely defeated. And we keep, I, I love this example because it's perfect for sharing this. We keep going back to that ride because of something we believe, either about ourselves or about God. And that, that, that belief just keeps sucking us right back in. God's love is not a commodity. And it cannot be measured. It is a divine principle that is the very foundation of the kingdom of God. We can't measure the love of God, although we often try to. Let me read from Ephesians 3, verses 14 through 19. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. The indwelling life of Christ, in verse 17, it talks about the indwelling life of Christ, this Christ dwelling in our hearts through faith. As the foundation of Christ's life is rooted and grounded in love, it's as, as we come to know his love, as he, as he shows us that, as he reveals his love to us, and it's something we have to actually experience. It's not something somebody can tell you about it, and now you know about it. If, until you experience it, if you had never taken a bath, if you had never been in the water, how could you understand what it feels like to slide into the water? It's something you have to experience for yourself. And, and this, this coming to know his love is the foundation of, of coming to know who he is 
as he comes to dwell within you. This is this is why I keep touching it. I shouldn't. There we go. This is why we have the, the life of Christ within. For God so loved humanity, the world, with the divine love that put into motion the death and resurrection of his only son. And this is the foundation of the kingdom of God. It's founded on this on this love with which he so loved each one of us. So being rooted and grounded in this love is where is is the truth about what's true for our spirit right now. It says in the Bible that we right now are joined to the Lord and we are one. Okay? So we are rooted and grounded in love in our spirit man, in our inner being. That's true. That has been true for you ever since you acknowledged Christ and received him as your life. The reality of it is that we are moving in the journey of our life to come to the truth of that to be made real in our mind, our will, and our emotions. That's the journey of life. It's true in our inner being, but we are in the process of our minds being renewed So it is also true in every situation, every situation we find ourselves in. There's a strength that it talks about in verse 18. Strength of the power of the Spirit of God. Where? Within. It's there for the purpose of moving us from all that counters that foundation of God's love in our belief systems. So it's true in our spirit right now for all of us. That we are rooted and grounded in his love. It's very true. It's something that cannot be changed because it's the basis of who God is. God is love. That's when we say God is not a commodity, it's because there's no waxing or waning of the love of God. We kind of say things like, well, God loves you so much that he did da-da-da-da-da. I don't know if God loves him that much. I don't know if God loves them that much. The reality of it is God's love doesn't, There's no measure to it. It's divine. So if God loves you, he loves you completely. He doesn't love you a little bit or a lot. That's a a, a measurement thing that in the kingdom of God, the measurement of all things is what? Jesus. So it's the love of God. And you cannot measure that with standards of this world, which we tend to do. Being that it's not measurable... It does not vary. It's not affected by behavior or diminished by our failures. There's nothing you can do to make God love you more. Contrary to what you might hear preached in some churches and contrary to what I may have preached at some time or another for years, there's not a thing you can do to make him love you more. Oh, and by the way, there's not anything you can do to make him love you less. So so the worst criminal out here, the worst offender, the worst sinner out there is no better or worse than the person who's you know, lived lived a life that's nearly perfect and been in church all their life. 
God loves every one of us exactly the same. Love that can't be logically understood in our minds. It is unknowable. His love is unknowable with our human understanding. And yet, in verse 19, it said that he would cause us, he would give us the strength to comprehend, the strength to know that love. And only he can do the impossible and cause us to actually be able to know and understand in our spirit man that love that he has for us. This word to know is a word which means knowing because it has happened to us. Something we've experienced, and that's what I was talking about. If, you, if you've never experienced going swimming down the river, diving into that cold water, you can't possibly describe it to anybody else. But this experience with God's love is something that, that truly we do experience. It, it's not just a knowing in our mind. It's an experiential knowing that we have. We can talk about God's love. We've talked about God's love for many years now, Larry, have we not? We can talk about God's love. We can define it. Talk about how it will look when it is present. And we, we can even do our best to love one another. But knowing the love of God is an experience. It's experiential. That word know is the word gnosko. And it means to know as in to actually have intimate knowledge because you went through it. It's something that you experienced in your life. I have... Um, I've ministered to people who have been in ministry for 30, 40, 50 years. Pastors who did not know the love of God. Who got up every Sunday morning, Sunday evening, Wednesday night, and said, God loves you, God loves you, and he cares about you, and he wants only the best for you, and and you can trust him. And yet they inwardly struggled with how God saw them, whether he, whether they were doing enough, whether they were good enough in their ministry, whether or not God accepted them. And when they came to know, experientially, the love of God, their lives changed. They got up the next morning, the next Sunday morning, and everybody's like, the message is different. Same words coming out of your mouth, but there's something different there. This is the love of God, the love of God that cannot be described and understood in our human minds, but he knows how to renew our minds so that we experience him and then we operate from that place in our lives. It's the beginning of freedom from beliefs that counter the truth of God's kingdom that often it seems like they begin with that revelation of God's And often the emphasis is on us obeying God. I believe that comes probably from the passage that says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. I was reading that from another translation yesterday, and it said, if you love me, you'll observe my goals. Sounded just a little bit different to me. But we love God only because he first loved us. We're not even able to love God, really, without an understanding that he first loved us. 
If we don't have the foundation of God's love for us, we will struggle and struggle to prove that we love God. Which is kind of getting it in reverse, I think. Letting Christ live through us is an outcome of knowing God's love. Coming to understand that it is Christ living his life in us and through us is based in coming to understand the love that he has for us. Our attempts to figure out how to do that without knowing God's love results in discouragement and burnout. Anybody ever find yourself reaching burnout, trying to live the Christian life? Or actually maybe just finding out that it's impossible to live this Christian life without letting him do it through you? He doesn't get burned out. You know, it's, it's funny. We're trying to live a life for Christ. Doesn't it make sense to let Christ live a life for himself through us? He's, he's, he's the perfect, he's the perfect man, the perfect human. He, he, came to, he came so that we would have an example of what it looked like for God to dwell in a human being. The love of God is more powerful than any force in heaven or on earth. The love of God is more powerful than any demon or evil spirit. The love of God is more powerful than any form of harassment or tribulation. And yet, we can still feel that we are in a battle. Why is that? Because we don't know the love of God. So I, I just want to talk about what's true because God loves you. God loves me. I'm going to talk about that for just a minute. There's a question that's asked in Romans 8.38. The question is, who or what can separate us or come between us and God's love? Does anybody remember the answer? There was a list. Life, death, spiritual entities, authorities, things happening now, things that are going to happen. Measurements, powers, anything in creation. And the sum up was none of these can separate or pull us away from the indestructible, ever-present love of God. That's what's true. Now, that's a truth, and I just said it. I'm sure you've heard it before. You've read the scripture. You've been like, yes, amen, amen. But how many of you have had times when you responded in your life as though that was not true? I did this morning. So I met Rick, and musicians are, we're, we're an interesting breed, I think. Um, musicians are, I think, naturally curious with other musicians because it's such a creative flow that happens when you, write and sing and all of those things. But um, I met him and he was telling a, a wonderful story about when he wrote a song. And there's just this thing that came, this, this question that came over me that was like, you know, I've written a lot of songs, but I don't know, maybe they're, 
maybe they're just not that great, you know, they're just kind of, maybe it's just me, and I got a few friends who kind of like, it was just a little tiny bit of doubt. Now, a lot of people, if you just hear that little tiny bit of doubt, it's like, oh, no, 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 let's just go on. I have learned that tiny little bit of doubt is the indicator to me that I don't know the love of God in any area of my life. That's all it takes for me. A little, a question that does not line up with the truth that I stand up here and tell you and I live in my life as though it's true and I promote it that God loves me no matter what. That doubt was a, hmm, I wonder how God's looking at me right now. That little sideways glance. And so I just took a few minutes and I said to the Lord, huh, this does not line up. What do you want me to know? I need, I need to know what you know about this feeling in my heart. And I, I cannot tell you how many times I've done this because this is my life. And I cannot tell you how many times that I've had those feelings that I've had to take to the Lord. And the Lord, and I just waited. Sometimes it's hard to wait. I just waited and the Lord said, you belong to me. Now, when he said that to me, immediately all the doubt was gone. Now, when I just said that to you because you didn't have the feeling that I had, it probably didn't mean much. But it dispelled that. That's God's truth. And there was, from that point on, there was no question. It was like, of course, I belong to him. So whatever's going to come, you know, whatever's going to come out of my mouth, the songs he's going to give away, those, those are from him. Those are his treasures in my life, regardless of what I think or other people think about that. So this list starts out with life, and we are all living in this room. Your life, no matter what it looks like, cannot separate you from the love of God. I don't care what happens. And this means the life of other people who are involved with your life cannot separate you from the love of God, cannot pull you away. And yet, like Tyler said, you find yourself pinned up against the wall and you're like, wait, why can't I just say stop? The love of God is still there at that moment. The love of God is still present. And yet that is an opportunity for us to recognize I have found myself in a place where I am denying what I know to be true in my spirit, but I'm not walking it out in my heart. So let's talk about the struggles a little bit. The way that God has chosen to bring us to experience Christ's life within is through the struggle. Over and over you find God's wanting to share something with you, show you something, make something real to you, and he'll put you in a crisis. Almost always. You look through the, you look through the New Testament, you did the same thing back there. Well, yeah, New Animal doesn't. He, he, would, he would bring him into a crisis, the children of Israel. He'd bring them into crisis so he could reveal himself to them. I know that's the way he, he always operates with me. So, we used to teach um, We used to teach Yeah, she said, you're going, you're going to go down that road? We, we used to teach spiritual warfare for years and years. We taught seminars on spiritual warfare and fighting the devil and casting out demons out of your house. And 
we really don't spend that much time, aren't that much occupied with that anymore. Because we have come to a realization and are coming, I say we've come. It's it's a it's an ongoing process that he's making more and more real to us. That God is sovereign. And he fought the devil and defeated him. And he has come to dwell within us. All the power, all the fullness of the Godhead bodily dwelleth in my Lord, and my Lord dwelleth within me and you. And having having the all-powerful God dwell within us, we are his possession. You think the devil's going to get anywhere close to us? So the struggles that come, he allows them for a purpose. The devil can't touch you without his permission. And, and those struggles come for the purpose of him purifying our faith. So whenever, whenever I now have a struggle, it's an opportunity. And I got clear away from my notes, but that, that's all. It's, it's an opportunity for me to say, okay, Lord, what are you trying to show me? I'm in another crisis. What's interesting about the crisis is that in the in the realm of Christianity, there's a little bit of guilt and condemnation and struggle. I don't know where that came from, but that because that's just not even biblical. Um, why is it that God didn't show up for the three Hebrew children before they got in the fire? Before Daniel was in the lion's den, you want to go down the road and just look at how many times it was in the middle of the struggle that the revelation of the power and presence of God was made real. And yet, I've had so many people come to me and said, I don't want to share this with anybody else, but this is what I really feel inside. This is what's really going on, and I can't share with anybody else in the church because I'm, I'm a deacon, or I lead worship, or I teach Sunday school, or I've been a Christian for 40 years, or there's all kinds of reasons. Or what would people think? What would they think that I've fallen away from God and that God doesn't care about me? Once again, this measurement that happens that has nothing to do with the kingdom of God. When we feel shame, when we feel rejected, when we feel unnoticed and alone, when we feel trapped, when we feel we have no value and are unworthy, when we feel we don't measure up, when we feel hopeless, when we feel we are a disappointment and we, we, when we feel unloved, these are just some of the signs by God's design of areas where we have yet to discover that love that is so powerful. And has not, we're not separated from it, but it needs to be revealed to our minds so that we can operate out of that instead of out of what we really believe. Maybe. I'm going to share something else. Maybe. So this morning, I was laying in bed about 5 o'clock. 
to happen here because it has to do with my heart. I can feel my heart just going crazy. And I've had some fibrillation issues. Take medication for it. After my bout with COVID, which almost killed me, the cold, the um, fibrillation is now just an occasional thing. I used to have an episode, you know, once or twice a week or every two or three months. You know, just real random. But now my heart is just So I could feel it. It was it was beating up. I said, God, I said something I should be concerned with. And it reminded me of what he told me in the hospital. He said, You won't die until I said so. I've got your heart right here. You share things, right? In front of people that you haven't shared with me. (laughs) Sometimes when God speaks truth to us. When he reveals his love to us, it's emotional. The first step and probably the hardest step, and I'm not going to I'm not trying to be rude or prejudiced about this, but especially for men because women we we for some reason are a little bit blubbery, you know, but um some some women the men, the men have been taught to suppress feelings. Right. Especially any, they're going to bring tears to your eyes. Yeah, and and it was it just is such a uh, refreshing thing to me to see men who can express emotion, you know, because the spirit of God moving on you, it's it's emotional, and and it'll make you feel things. And what Philip just happened there, he's still he's still accepting the truth of all of that that the Lord spoke to him. I mean, when God says, "I've got your heart in my hands," that's pretty powerful. I've never had him say that to me, but I've never needed him to say that to me. But the first step, and maybe the hardest one, is to be honest about what's really happening in your heart. What's really going on in your heart. Do you feel alone? Are you discouraged? Are you afraid? Instead of seeing these feelings as signs of weakness, these are the gateways to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. I just, my prayer every morning, is God, please let the body of Christ come to understand that what you are doing is beautiful. What you, what when Tyler was up here speaking, I just I just love the way that God brought him to the end of himself so that he could show him he was everything. I love that. And you say, well, that was terrible for Tyler. Tyler loves that because he knows without a shadow of a doubt that God is everything for him now. How did he come to that? He had to go down to the depths of, I can't do it anymore. I can't play this game anymore. Why do we get so worried about the path that God takes us on, that takes our loved ones on, when we 
ourselves know that that's how he works. That's the time that the love of God becomes so powerful. When is the light the most powerful in the greatest darkness? And yet we get so afraid of the darkness. We get afraid of the pain. Afraid to really be honest about what we're feeling, what's in our heart, what's in our innermost being. We have prayer meetings. We get everybody together to pray away the pain, to pray away the, the bad feelings. That's what God uses, those bad feelings. He brings you into that crisis. But we, we, we try to, we try to, you know, like I said, we have whole prayer meetings over that kind of stuff to, to keep it away. Oh, it's, yeah, that's something needs to change. My turn, okay. Okay, then. Sometimes we can't be honest about what's in our heart because of what might happen if we admit how we really feel. What will people think? How will I be treated? Will I get these sidelong looks? Will I be judged? Will I still be accepted? Will I be seen differently from now on? These questions disappear when we realize, when we receive the love of God. Those questions don't even matter anymore as we receive his love. As soon as we are willing to be honest about what's in our heart, we can start the process of finding the truth. So um, I call emotions God's internal indicator. Um, There's some teachings right now, I know, about feelings that your feelings aren't real, so dismiss them, you know, get rid of them. But I I believe that God created us with feelings and emotions. I know he did, because everybody has them, unless you have a weird, strange disease. You have emotions. We all have different emotions in different situations. It's not across the board. Um... People have said to me, boy, when you're up front, you don't cry as much as Philip does. And that's true. That's true. But I do cry. And um, usually when I cry, it's a little bit more of a sobbing kind of thing. So maybe God knows that, you know, sobbing is a little bit harder to talk through. But but I feel, he feels. But we see with one another, sometimes we can judge and think that, Emotions are kind of the indicator of whether people are in a particular place in their life. Um, I believe that emotions are for the purpose, especially painful emotions, are for the purpose of bringing us to see what it is that we believe in that situation that counters the truth of God's love. Now, I want to just real quickly say something. There are truth-based emotions that are negative emotions. My dad passed away a couple years ago. I have a very truth-based emotion about that. I miss him. I miss him so much. Sorrow and grief are still there. But those emotions that are truth-based do not lead us into places where it counters the love of God. Now, in the middle of that, I had some emotions that came up where I was afraid 
that my life was going to be different and God was going to treat me different because my dad was no longer here. That emotion was based in not having the reality of God's love in that area of my life. And that's something I took to the Lord and he ministered to me on that. But there are, I want to be sure that nobody leaves here and says, well, Julie said that all your bad emotions are bad. I'm not saying that. There's some truth-based negative emotions that we have in our lives. I'll tell you what, if you break your leg, you'll have an emotion. And it will be truth-based. It will hurt. But it, truly. But it does not destroy us and it does not counter the love of God. But as we feel and are honest about what we're feeling in our heart, we can identify and believe it's God's purpose for those emotions to identify the belief that is carrying that emotion. The personal belief. Personal belief. I'm going to just read through some very personal statements. I'd love it if everybody would just close your eyes. And I want you to listen as I say these. And I want you to just be honest enough to see if any of these feel true. Even if your logical mind says, oh, no, 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 I know that's not. No, if you feel emotionally that these are true. I am unimportant. I am defective. I am stupid. I am alone. I am a disappointment. I don't matter. I am invisible. I am not valuable. And I am unwanted. I just want you to keep your eyes closed. You may have other variations of these statements. But right now, if there's a statement that you feel, even though logically you may know it shouldn't be true because you belong to Jesus, if you have a statement that you feel is true, I want you to just say that in your own heart. I want you to just admit that. I'm not enough. I don't matter. I'm inferior. I'm not as good as other people. Whatever it is. And as you stay in that place where you identify and actually acknowledge that belief, in that place, and this is the hardest thing for people to stay there for just long enough to let Jesus come and reveal to you whatever he wants you to know about that. Not about anything else, but about that. And I'm going to pray. I don't know what's going on in your heart. I do know that we all have those beliefs. And I'm just going to pray that the Lord would come and he would show you. We're not, I'm not, we're not looking for anything specific. We're not looking for scripture. We're not looking for anything that you're going to come up with in your own brain. I call it your own library. We're just looking for an experience of God's love to be imparted to you. Because that's why he sent his son. Lord, I just ask right now in this room, God, you know every heart. You know the rejection, the fear, the shame. 
you know the things that are believed that counter your amazing love. God, we could talk up here all day long and tell people what love is about, what your love is about. But when you have an experience with us, we are changed. We had an experience with Tyler and he's changed. An experience with me this morning, I'm changed. Philip has changed. Just ask right now, in the name of Jesus, that you would share whatever you want each one to know as they think about this belief that counters your love. And don't be afraid to wait. If you get sidetracked and start thinking about roast beef, go back to thinking about that belief. This is unscripted. Only God knows what you need to know about this belief. He might want to show you something. He might want to speak something to you. He just might want to give you a sense of something. It doesn't matter. many identified a belief? Raise your hand. Okay. How many have felt some emotions while we've been talking up here today? Raise your hand. You know what? It's really sad, but when you're up here, you can see a whole lot more than you think that we can down there. And there's an awful lot of emotions that go on in church services. It's amazing. I just want to say to you, do not be afraid of what you feel in your heart, even if it counters the love of God. Because that is your moment. And I will tell you this, if you walk away from it, it's hard to come back and stir that up again. I have walked out of church services to go deal with something because it's so important to me that when I feel something come up here, and I know it counters the love of God that I go immediately and say, okay, God, what do you want What do you want me to know about this? This particular thing that we just did today is a small part of a process that I have walked probably thousands of people through. But part of one part of it that is missing is sometimes it's necessary for people to actually find where the origin of that belief was in order for them to fully actually define the belief because the emotions are just all over the place. And that, that is something that I've done. I, I, I've lost count how many times. But I have never told anybody what God was saying to them. I have never shared the truth with anyone. I have never said, well, Kelly, what God wants you to know in this situation is God has always, always, always been the one who revealed his love the way that he knew that those people needed to hear it. And I want to say to you, he is faithful to do that if you will just present your belief systems to him. That's all it requires. If you get stuck, call somebody and say, hey, I'm stuck and I need to know the truth. It's countering the reality of the love of God. 
but let God be the one who ministers his love to you. It's his love. It's not my love. The love of God dwells in me, but guess what? I do not have any desire to create something that I, I just, I want to tell you this because it blew me away. I had a lady come in years and years ago who looked like death. And she had, we were doing some ministry, kind of as a training session. Actually came in and said she was done. She was going to kill herself. She's, you know, it's over. And she had heard about us, and she'd heard that I was doing this ministry, and she said, well, I decided to come, just, just, you know, just decide to come. But she said after this, she said, I'm done. I've got the pills at home to take. I'm, I'm just done. So I took her, and we, we prayed. We did pretty much like we just did here, except we actually, there was some, there was some memories that she went to because she was having trouble identifying what she really believed. I, we probably spent half an hour, 45 minutes in there. And uh, when we got ready to leave and walk away, she just walked right by the door where everybody else was sitting. And somebody said, who was that? It just went by because she looked so different. She was laughing. She was smiling. But in, in this in this time together, you want, you want to know what the Lord spoke to her? Here's a woman who just, I mean, amazing rejection from, from very early from from the time that she was born, just all kinds, just a life of rejection. And when it came down to it and she was able to present the belief to the Lord, I didn't have anything to say. You know what God said to her? I was there. And I waited for more. That was it. I was there. Now, that didn't impact me because I didn't go through the rejection she did, but her face changed. She began laughing. She began praising God. And I have, there's one after another. There's so many things. People that God has just said, it's okay. I'm like, well, that isn't very spiritual. And yet it changed everything. If I could in, just encourage you to let God and his love be what it is to you in your inner being right now. Let it permeate every part of your being. Lean into the reality that he wants to change your mind. He wants you to find yourself in situations where all that's flowing is the reality of God's love, the power that is greater than life and death and all the things that we talked about, the principalities, the powers. That's what's true. And if you feel like that's not true, that's an opportunity to let the love of God be real for you. said it was. You gotta be smarter in the night. If if anytime you've got anything any pain or any feeling that okay, if you're driving down the highway over here and somebody cuts you off and you want you really would just like to run him clear off the road. Stop. That's an opportunity. 
Ask the Lord about it. All of that. Find out what you believe about why that guy cut you off, about why you feel what you feel in regard to that guy cutting you off. And then ask the Lord for his truth. It's that simple. And he always shows up. Stand with me. We're going to close with a song. I can hear you gently whisper as you
Thank you, guys. Yeah. I personally have walked through that process many times. Ricky, you going to close us with the famous Lord, I lift your name on high. You want to sing it, stay, sing up here and sing it with us? Okay. Um, just a reminder, everybody, we'd love to have you come down to Peak House. So give the guys an opportunity to change into their shorts and going to continue this amazing process of of, um, of this morning's message of the life of Christ in us and we'll get to watch Tyler be baptized and to die to himself and to rise anew in Christ. And it's beautiful that the, the body of Christ gets to witness that, right? We get to, to walk with him now in a place of fellowship and accountability and love. And so we just invite you down to Pink House after service to partake in that. Yeah. This is, by the way, this is the Earl's new little one. <laughs>